Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. If you got your Bibles with you, let's turn over to uh, John uh, chapter 4. We're going to start there and we're going to continue. We started talking last week about worship. We're going to talk again today about worship. And uh, I believe I have something good for you today. And we're going to build on what we talked about last week and even at camp about the importance of worship. So we're going to start here, John 4, and we're going to start in chapter 21. Jesus speaking, he uh, was having this conversation with the Samaritan woman. Notice what he says, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. And verse 23 and 24 is going to be a key verse we're going to hang out today. But the hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. So if you're taking notes today, the title of the message is worship changes us. Worship changes us. And and I got to lay some groundwork for where we're going today to build what we're going to talk about this morning. But I want to talk about worship changes us. So the, the most basic definition of worship is to show reverence, to show honor, to show adoration to something or someone. You know, the Bible would have a broader term of worship. It's not just that in a worship service or a church service, but worship is the pouring out and giving your life to something or someone. It's what you think about all day. It's what you talk about. It's what you, what you give your money to. It's what you spend your time doing. It's what you pour your life into is what you really worship. And the fact is that we are all worshipers in here, whether we know it or not. Now, God made us that way. When he created us, he created us worshipers. The Bible says that we're either worshiping God or we're worshiping something else other than God, but we're all worshipers. Even the people that say, I don't believe in anything, you're still a worshiper. You're in. Because you're made that way. And the Bible says in Romans 1 that we're either worshiping the creator or we're worshiping created things. We're worshiping the gift giver or we're worshiping the gift. We're either believing the truth about God or we're believing a lie, but we're all worshipers in here. And so we need to understand whatever we worship will change us for the good or the bad, but worship will change us. Now, if we're worshiping God and God alone, it changes us for the better. It changes us and we become more like him. It changes us and it brings us into this place of restoration. But when we worship something other than God, we become someone we didn't want to be. We end up in ruin. But worship changes us and we're all worshipers in here. So I want to talk today about worship changes us. Last week, we started talking about what is a true worshiper, and we talked about worship. A true worshiper is holistic, and, and when I say holistic, I mean that they worship God not just spiritually or with their spirit, but they worship him with their soul, which is their mind, their will, their emotions, and their body in every part of their life. If you're a true worshiper, you don't just worship on Sunday mornings. Are you with me? You don't, you, don't just, you don't just worship when you're listening to worship music. You worship all the time if you're a true worshiper. It's holistic. It's, it's every part of your life, spirit, soul, and body. And it goes into every part of your life, not just like you have a church life or you just have a career life or just a family life or a recreation life, but every part of your life is worshiping him. We also talked about last week, and I'm, I'm laying this foundation for what we want to say today. And I encourage you to go listen to that podcast from last week. It's online. That worship needs to be from your heart. That's what God's looking for. He's looking at your heart, not your behavior. Now, your behavior will change if he's got your heart. But he's looking for your heart in worship. We talked about last week, worship is honest. We should worship him in spirit and in truth. Honest about where we are, but honest about who God is in our life, in truth. And last last week, we talked about worship is expressive. It's expressive. And uh, 
That's important, that we're expressive in our worship. We get more when we express ourselves to God and we respond to God. We get more. And, and it's amazing when we don't respond, we don't get much out of the service. We just don't. And then, and then sometimes we blame it on the worship leader or the preacher, and it's like, no, nah, it's you. It's you, bro. It's not anybody else but, but you. Because you could get as much out of a service as you wanted to if, if you're expressive, if you respond in the right way, not taken away from the service, but you're genuine in your expression to God during the worship time and you express yourself when you give your, your tithe and your offering and you express yourself during the ministry time and the preaching time, you get more when you express yourself to God. So that's what we talked about last week. And I want to say that to set up what we're going to talk about this week. So we talked about true worshipers last week, that God is looking, the Bible says in John 4, we just read it, he's looking for true worshipers, not just worshipers, but, but true worshipers, the real ones, that they're going to worship him in spirit and in truth. And, and there's something, though, that happens when we worship, and we don't worship so God will do something in our life, but he does do something in our life when we worship. We don't worship God so he'll just change stuff in our life, but when we worship, he does change stuff in our life. We don't worship to get something out of God. We worship him because he's worthy of it, whether he did anything or not, because he's already done enough at the cross that we could worship him for the rest of eternity. He doesn't have to go do anything else. He's worthy of our worship, but, but when we worship, he does stuff for us, and he changes stuff, and he moves stuff around, and he heals us, and he delivers us, and there's something that happens in worship that changes us. We don't do it because of that, but that is a byproduct of worship. It changes things. Are you with me this morning? So worship changes us. You know, and this is, this is not in my notes, but you need to hear it. Really, the point of your life is not to get God to change everything in your life. The goal is to change you. And that's what worship does. Because if you started changing, the situations in your life would look different and they would start changing as well. God changes us through worship. Are you with me in this Methodist Pentecostal church today? <laughs> worship changes us. So, so we're all worshipers in here. But have you ever noticed, sometimes it feels really hard to worship God. And really easy to worship other things. Now why is that? Well, I'll tell you why that is. Because long before we ever got here in heaven... There was a worship leader. <laughs> this is why worship leaders need prayer, right? AMZ needs prayer. Singers need prayer. Musicians need prayer. But, but a long time ago in heaven, there was a worship leader that was the devil before he was the devil. That's what your Bible says in the Old Testament. His name was Lucifer. And he was in heaven, and he led the worship to God. That's what, that's what Satan did before he was Satan or the devil. He was the worship leader in heaven. And one day he got tired of giving God the worship. He got tired of giving God the glory because he wanted the glory for himself. And, of course, we know what happened. It says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Real quick he got kicked out of heaven. He lost his job immediately. But Satan was the worship leader in heaven, and he's still trying to steal God's worship today. That's why it's so easy to worship other things and so hard to worship God sometimes because he's still working that system because he wants the worship, he wants the glory, he wants the praise, and he's still mad because he's not getting it. Do you know that about the devil? Yeah, he used to be a worship leader. Pray for your worship leaders. <laughs> but the devil, Satan, Lucifer, they're all names listed, same person in the Bible. He wanted the glory. He wanted the praise. He wanted the worship. But there's something about if you're not God, you can't handle it. Now hear me, I'm going somewhere with this. If you're not God, you can't handle the worship. Notice what happened to Satan when he started getting the worship or thought he could take the worship. He fell because of pride. The Bible says in Proverbs, pride comes before fall. And I want to let you know today, because you really need to know this. We live in such a celebrity 
obsessed culture. Now, what is that? That's worship. And you don't have to see another A&E documentary about a celebrity to know it doesn't go well for you if you start receiving the worship. How many more stars and celebrities and CEOs and Instagram influencers in rehab do we need to see because they started receiving the worship to themselves and it doesn't go well for you because you can't handle the worship. You can't handle the praise. You can't handle the glory. You were never designed to carry that weight unless you're God. But you know, when we act that way, and we don't have to be a celebrity to do that, we think we deserve it, the pride in our lives, we fall just like he did. Pride comes before a fall. But we notice what happens when, when people start getting worshipped, whether that's a rock star or a rap star or a CEO or an actor or even a pastor or a worship leader, it doesn't go well for them. It doesn't. Why? Because they can't handle the way to worship. Because only God can. But Satan is still trying to get the worship. He hates it when God is worshiped. He hates it. I bet his worst day of the week is Sunday mornings because all over the world there's 2.2 billion some believers worshiping God, and, and he hates that. He doesn't mind if you worship other things, but he hates it when you worship him because he knows it changes you. He don't want you to change into God's image. He wants you to change into his image. Now, let me say this real quickly. I'm going to go on, and I'm still talking about why Satan doesn't like you to worship. But we need to be very careful in this celebrity-obsessed culture that even some of that has crept into the church world. That we put pastors and leaders and worship leaders and spiritual fathers or spiritual mothers on a pedestal that they don't need to be on. It's quiet in this Methodist church. Come on. Now, I believe in honor, and I believe in spiritual parents, and I believe in honoring ministry gifts, but a lot of people in the church world, we are acting just like the world and putting people on those pedestals, and you wonder why they fall because of that, because they can't handle the worship. Hear me this morning. They can't handle the worship. And it only doesn't mess up the one who's worshiping, but it messes up the one that they are worshiping. Both the worshiper and the one they're worshiping both get messed up because they can't handle the weight of it. Are you hearing me today? So honor your leaders, but never put leaders, including myself, on a pedestal like we're something special. We're not. We're not. We are broken people, sinful people, redeemed by the grace of God just like you, that need Jesus just like you, that need to get in their prayer closet just like you, that need God's saving grace just like you. And, and that's all we are. So we need to be very careful that we don't get, give anything the worship other than God and God alone. And that we don't want to receive the worship from anyone. Because you know, the more that God blesses you in life, sometimes you start feeling that way. It's a pride in all of us. It's like, well, I got some money now that I, I'm worthy to receive this. No, you're not. Or I'm educated now. I'm worthy to receive people's praises. Or I got... I'm the CEO now, or I got a lot of followers on Instagram now. I'm worthy to receive this worship. No, you're not, because you can't handle it. Only God alone can handle your worship. Are you with me today? But, but listen to, to this. In the Gospels, Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. He was tempted in the wilderness by Satan, came to him three times with three temptations. But notice... He's still upset about not being worshipped. And this is one of the temptations he gave to Jesus. So let's turn over to, I believe it's Matthew 4 and verse 8. And again, the devil took him up to an exceedingly high mountain. So he took Jesus up to this mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in all their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. 
Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. Amen. And then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. But notice, Satan is still hurt yeah. over not being worshipped. And even Jesus, in his earthly ministry, Satan was trying to tempt him. Just give me the worship and I'll give you everything you ever wanted. He's still pulling that same temptation on all of us in here. If you just worship me, I'll give you everything you ever wanted. But Jesus said, quoted the word back to him, said, no, we worship God and God alone because he's the only one worthy of it. He's the only one that can carry the weight of it. He's the only one that has the glory to sustain the worship. So we worship God and God alone. So, so hear me this morning, and, and, and I'm here with you, and I'm your pastor, so I'm sweet. Right? I'm sweet. So, so this morning, I was here in the service, just like you. And I didn't look around at you guys, but apparently all of you were struggling a little bit during worship. You can laugh. Now, now I'm not looking at you guys, but I could feel when I came here, the atmosphere was a little cold. You guys are still looking at me pretty cold. Smile. It's good for you. We're all in this together. And hear this. Realize when, when you come into church and you feel resistance, realize what it is. Hear me. What did we just say? The only one who's really offended about this is Satan, and he's going to do everything he can to stop you from worshiping. Now, hear me today, and don't, don't express yourself right now because I'm talking about it, but, but listen to me. How can we be so expressive and responsive all week long, and then we get in here and we clam up with each other? Why do we do that? There's, there's other spiritual forces coming against us to stop us from worshiping. Now, why am I telling you that? Just so you're aware of that, if you feel pushback, when you're like, you come into church and you're just like, I don't even want to sing now. And I sing all the time in my car. What is that? The enemy does not want you to worship. He does not want you to lift your hands. He does not want you to express yourself to God. He does not want you to respond to God. Why? Because he's still mad because he hasn't received the worship. So sometimes we could think this is just my personality in church or this is just the way I was raised. But realize a lot of times when we try to step out and do something that could help us, the enemy will always try to discourage us from doing that. Whether it's if we go to prayer, why are we so distracted when we want to pray? There's spiritual forces that are coming against us that does not want us to pray. Why are we, why do we, our mind go everywhere when we're reading the Bible and we can read other books? What's happening? There's spiritual forces coming against us. Why when we try to worship, we feel like we got to claim up sometimes and not express ourselves? There's spiritual forces coming against us. Why? Because the devil does not want you to worship. He lost in, out in heaven, and he's still trying to receive the worship, and nothing hurts him more than when we worship God and God alone. So if you ever feel that, just be aware of that and press past those feelings to realize there's spiritual forces that do not want you to express yourself in worship because the devil doesn't like it because he realizes what worship does in our lives. It changes us. Are you with me today? We're going somewhere really good. So speaking about worship, this was one of the verses that we talked about last week, and I want to share it, and we're going to talk about this the rest of the time. Psalms 34 and verse 9. We're still talking about worship that changes us. Psalm 34 and verse 9. In the Message Bible, it says, Worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. Worship God if you want the best. Worship opens doors to all his goodness. And the rest of the time today, I want to talk about some things that happen when we worship that changes us. Do you want to hear about that today? Now, I can't list them all, but I want to share a couple with you today on what happens because it says, worship God if you want his best. How many want God's best? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. 
And it says, worship has a way to open doors to all his goodness. And once his goodness comes into our life, it starts changing things. So, So how does God, through worship, start changing us? Well, let's talk about the first thing. When we worship, it changes our perspective. When we worship, it changes our perspective. Psalm 34 and verse 3. It says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. But notice the psalmist David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and exalt his name together. This is what happens when we worship. It changes us because when we worship, it changes our perspective. Now, how does it change our perspective? Well, the Bible, one of the most common things that the psalmist David says is to magnify the Lord. To magnify the Lord. Now, what do you do when you magnify something? You focus in on it, and it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger till it's the only thing you can see. And God says that when we worship, we stop magnifying the problem, and we start magnifying the answer, which is him. And when we worship, we magnify him. We make God bigger to us so we can really see him as he is. Now, he's always been that big. But sometimes we don't see him as that big because we've been magnifying the wrong thing all week. So how does he change our perspective? He changes it when we magnify him, that's worship, and we put him in his proper place. And then we can see our life and our circumstance and our issues as God sees them. And we get our perspective right. That's why you see sometimes when people come into worship, you see the fear leaving them. You see the anxiety leaving them. You see the depression leaving them. Why? Because they're magnifying him. And they can see the right perspective on who God really is. Now, God's always been bigger than your issues. But sometimes you don't see it because you've been magnifying and worshiping the wrong thing all week. Are you with me this morning? So when we worship, it changes our perspective. And you're saying, well, I can't can't do that. Well, you know what? Can you worry? Because if you can worry, then you can be a great worshiper. Because you know what worry is? Worry is worship in reverse. What is worry? You focusing on something, thinking about something till it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It's magnifying the problem and you worry. So you just got to take that and move it over here because worry is worship in reverse. If you're a great worrier, you can be a great worshiper. And when we worship God, we magnify him And he becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. So then he becomes all we see. And we get the proper perspective on what's really happening. So worship changes our perspective. We magnify him. Now, God has always been that big. He's always been that great. He's always been a healer. He's always been a deliverer. But sometimes we can't see it because we're magnifying the wrong thing. One of the greatest examples in your Bible is David, who was a great worshiper. And you know what happened in David's life? One of many stories we could tell, but one of the most famous ones was David and Goliath. Now, David was a teenage boy bringing Domino's pizzas to his brother on the battlefield. Scriptural. It said he brought bread and cheese Come on now, somebody, to his brothers at the battlefield. If that's not a cheese pizza, I don't know what is. So David, in the story of David and Goliath, brings cheese pizzas to his brothers. And there's Goliath, who is a giant. He's, he's, a, he's a grown man. He's super tall. He's super strong. He's got the armor. And David's just a teenage boy. And all of the armies of God, the armies of Israel, are hiding from him. Why? Because they magnified Goliath. 
And, and, and if you magnify the problem, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that's all you can see. And, and so all these soldiers and his brothers were saying, man, you know, this guy is huge. We can't fight him. And, and David, because he was a worshiper. Are you hearing me this morning? Because he knew how to magnify God. And he was magnifying God with the sheep before he got to the battle. So he already knew how big God was. He was magnifying God on the way to bring his brothers to cheese pizza. So he already knew how big God was. So when he got to the place where there was Goliath and the rest of the soldiers, he was the only one not afraid because he saw the right perspective. He realized how big God was compared to Goliath. And guess what? Compared to God, Goliath ain't that big. Are you with me today? And compared to that disease in your body, it ain't that big. God, compared to that situation you're dealing with, it ain't that big. I know it feels big to you right now, but not compared to your God. And this is what David said. He came to the battlefield and he said, why aren't you guys fighting him? If God's on our side, God is way bigger than this dude. But how could he say that? Because he was a worshiper. He had the right perspective. And of course, we know he went on on the battlefield and he was just a teenage boy and he got his slingshot and he threw it and he killed Goliath. He was a massive human being and God gave him the victory. But why? Because he was a worshiper and he had the right perspective. He saw Goliath for who he really was because he saw God for who he really was. Because he was magnifying God. And the rest of the nation of Israel said he's too big to beat, but David said he's too big to miss. Because he had the right perspective. Can I tell you one more story in the Bible? Joshua and Caleb about to go into the promised land, two of my favorite people in the Bible. And in Numbers 13, they sent out spies to go into the promised land. There was 12 spies. And 10 came back and said, we can't do it. But two came back and said, we can do it. And they were named Joshua and Caleb. And what happened? When they went into the promised land, they saw cities that were guarded. They saw cities that were armored. They saw giants and and people of war there. And they said, we can't do it. We're like grasshoppers in their eyes. Guess they weren't worshipers because they were singing from the wrong perspective. But Joshua and Caleb said, no, we can do it because I don't care what city's there. I don't care what giants are there. I don't care what enemies are there. We got the right perspective and they're not bigger than my God. But how do you get that way, worship? If you're magnifying God all day long, when stuff comes up, you're like, hey, it's going to be okay. My God's way bigger than this. Because I see God for who he really is. So when we worship, it changes our perspective. Are you with me today? The next thing I want to talk about, worship brings deliverance. It brings deliverance. And when I say deliverance, I mean spiritually, mentally, and physically. There's something that happens in worship that worship brings deliverance. Now, How does it bring deliverance? Well, it brings deliverance because the Bible says when we worship, God's presence comes and he inhabits the praise and worship of his people. So guess what's going to happen? If God's presence is in that situation, things are going to change. Evil spirits are going to leave. Disease is going to be healed. Mental and emotional wounds are going to be taken care of. In the presence of God. But how does the presence of God come? It comes through worship. Now, some of you would say, well, isn't God's presence everywhere? Yes, it is. It's his omnipresence. But his manifest presence comes when we worship. And you can feel the difference. Yes, God is everywhere. everywhere, And he is ready to help at all times. But his manifest presence isn't everywhere. It's only where he's welcomed. And where he's worshipped. So when we worship, it brings deliverance. Because God's presence comes onto us or someone else we know. And when his presence comes, it changes things. And even changes bodies, minds, hearts, souls. His presence can do those things. 
and it comes through worship. One example in the Bible is 1 Samuel 16. It said that when David played worship, when Saul was being tormented by an evil spirit, it says that he was refreshed and the evil spirit left when he worshiped. Why? Because when God's presence comes, things change. When we worship, deliverance comes. Now, I'm going to give you two examples in the Bible, but before we go there, just to give you some testimonies, I've seen in this church and at camps and at special meetings my whole entire life, and I've been in church 35 years in nine months. And I have seen people healed and delivered time after time after time, not just in a prayer line, but during worship. No one even touched them, but God did. No one even laid hands on them, but they got healed. No one even prayed a prayer of deliverance, but an evil spirit left when they worshiped. Why? Because when God's manifest presence shows up, things change. And when his presence comes, we are delivered mentally, emotionally. I've seen it happen. I've gotten testimonies back year after year after year. They're like, I was singing a worship song, and I was so depressed when I came in, but then it left, and the joy of the Lord filled my heart. I was anxious when I came in, but when I started worshiping, the peace of God came on my mind. I came in, and I had symptoms, but I started lifting my hands and worshiping, and when I did, symptoms left my body. Pain left my knee. My heart got into the right rhythm when I worshiped. This is not fairy tale. This is real life testimonies I've heard time and time again that happened during worship. No pastor prayed for them. Nobody got up in the prayer line. It was just between them and God because they were a worshiper. Deliverance came. Are you with me today? Deliverance came when they worshiped. So let's look at this Matthew 15. This is a, a story about a Canaanite woman who um, her daughter had an evil spirit and she wanted healing for her. Matthew 15, verse 21. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman, so this is somebody outside of a covenant with God, who lived there came to him pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. And then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away. They said, she is bothering us with all her begging. Now listen to this. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Verse 25, notice what she did. She didn't take no for an answer. What did this lady do? Because she wanted deliverance for her, her child. This verse says, but she came and she worshiped him. Pleading again, Lord, help me. In verse 26, Jesus responded to her, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath the master's table. Now she wanted this. In verse 28, what did Jesus say? Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. But how did deliverance come in that lady's life and her daughter's life? She got healed. She worshiped. And when she worshiped, God moved in her life. Let's look at another passage here. And actually, Amsley quoted it earlier. Acts 16 and verse 25 and 26. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. That's worship. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's chains were loosed. So we see that Paul and Silas in prison, physically chained up. 
And how many know they were probably beaten, so they had some, some physical symptoms as well. And they were probably, right then, before they started worshiping, probably feeling a little discouraged mentally. But they decided to worship. And when Paul and Silas worshiped, deliverance came from God because they were worshipers. When you worship, it brings deliverance. Sometimes it's physical deliverance. Sometimes it's mental, emotional deliverance. Sometimes it's the healing of your body. But whatever you need, when we worship, God moves and his presence comes. And it changes things and it brings deliverance. That's what some of us, we need to stop getting so addicted to prayer lines to wait for God to do something. Can I say that this morning? Because I believe in that, and I believe there's anointed people to pray for you, but guess what? You could have got healed last week if you just would have started worshiping. <laughs> you could have got delivered in your mind last week if you would have started worshiping. God could have done something last year if you would have started worshiping, because when we worship, it brings deliverance. Are you with me today? When we worship, it brings deliverance. You don't got to wait for anybody else. You don't got to get a pastor in on it. You just got to worship between you and God. And when you worship, God brings deliverance. But it says, when they worshiped, all their chains came off and they were free. What about physical chains? What about mental chains? What about emotional chains? What about chains of your past? When we worship, God brings deliverance. But what I see in this verse, and Amesy actually mentioned it as well. You must have been reading my notes ahead of time. <laughs> worship not only frees you, but it frees those around you. It's not just about you when you come to church. Your worship helps other people, frees other people. Just like the lady who got her daughter healed, her daughter wasn't there worshiping, but she was. And because she worshiped, God set free her daughter from demonic oppression. When we worship, it brings deliverance. This was a passage, or it's a part of a song that the mom used to quote to me. And she told a story, my mother, who's in heaven now, she told a story about one time, Earlier in their ministry, when, when there was everything they were struggling with, and, and dad tells those stories about he had all these situations that were against him starting out in ministry. He had physical issues. He had mental issues. He had marriage issues. He was in a rundown church. They were trying everything, and, and he was discouraged, and mom was discouraged, and the cat was discouraged, and the rats were discouraged, and Jessica was a baby. She was discouraged. Everybody discouraged. I wasn't there, so I wasn't discouraged. Because, you know, I wouldn't have been discouraged if I was there. But anyways, she talks about a time she was at the house by herself washing the dishes. And there was a song that came to her mind, and it's, like old, it's a gospel song that Russ Taff used to sing. And the lyrics were this, the chains that seem to bind you fall powerless behind you when you praise, when you worship. Because when we worship, it brings God's deliverance. And when she started worshiping God at her kitchen sink, the depression started lifting, the anxiety started lifting, and mom was set free. Why? Because she worshiped. When we worship, God brings deliverance. Are you with me today? The next thing is God, when we worship, he changes things. And when we worship, it gives us joy. Psalm 16 and verse 11. The psalmist David said, You will show me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When we worship, it gives us joy. How many know that all of us are looking for joy? That's what we're really looking for. And if you've been on the internet any recently, oh, 
over the past two and a half years, they need some joy. Like everybody. Democrat, Republican, Christian, non-Christian, all of them need a good dose of joy. But where does that joy come from? It comes from God's presence. But how do we get in God's presence? Worship. When we worship, it gives us joy. Now, I've seen this my whole life. The people that are the most joyful people are the worshipers. They live a lifestyle of worship. And people that are Christians but don't worship, they're grumpy. They're inconsistent. They're kind of a roller coaster Christian. But I've seen my whole Christian life, people that walk in abundant joy, the real joy that God gives, are always worshipers. And not just Sunday worshipers, but Monday worshipers, Tuesday worshipers. They always got worship music going on. They're always speaking of God's goodness and God's faithfulness. Why? There's something to it because in his presence is fullness of joy. When we worship, it gives us joy. You need joy today? Worship. You need joy next week when you're discouraged? Well, guess what? Listening to a sad song is not going to help. Sorry, it's not. Eating some Hagen dazs and putting on an emotional movie on Netflix is not going to help. It's not. But you know what's going to help? Worship. Because when you get into God's presence, in his presence is fullness of joy. God inhabits the praise and worship of his people. So when we worship, it brings us joy. And lastly, when we worship, it keeps us in a place of victory. Brother Daryl, could you come up, play for a second here? Did you get anything today? Worship keeps us in a place of victory. Pastor Nancy said this, when we praise and when we worship, it holds us in a place of faith and victory. When we praise and when we worship, it holds us in a place of faith and victory. Another quote says that faith is the victory that overcomes the world. But praise and worship is the voice of living faith. You can't say you're a faith person and you got no worship life. Real faith people are the most passionate, expressive people I know. Why? Because they actually believe God's doing something in their life. Because if you really believed it, you would respond. If you really believed it, you would praise. If you really believed it, you would worship. And worship keeps us in a place of victory. How many know that we have an enemy? He comes against us. He puts things in our path. But God has a place of victory for all of us. And worship keeps us in that place of victory. In the Bible, we see in the Old Testament, especially when God's people would go conquer a new place, that they would defeat an enemy. A lot of times God would say, you guys don't need to fight. You just need to worship. When Joshua went to Jericho and they were going around the walls, there was nothing that they could have done to knock those walls down. But God said, I don't need you to do anything. I just need you to worship. And it says when they worshiped God and they lifted up their voice and they praised God that, that God made those walls fall down in their life. In the Old Testament, Jehoshaphat, who was in charge of God's people, when they were about to face an enemy, he said, I want you to put the worshipers at the front of the army before anyone else because when they worship, the Lord will take care of it and put an ambush against the enemy. Because worship keeps us in a place of victory. When we worship God, he fights for us. God's not asking you to fight. He's just asking you to worship because that's faith. Not struggling and striving. I'm going to beat the devil and I'm going to do this. And I'm going to, no, no, worship because worship is faith. 
No, it's God, I believe you're, you're moving on my behalf. You're healing. You're delivering. You're fighting my battles. You're taking care of that situation. You're bringing that prodigal son home. You're doing things that I can't do in my own strength. And I'm not going to fight. I'm just going to worship. And that's all that God's looking for to keep you in a place of victory. But one of the stories I see in the Bible that shows us that worship keeps us in a place of victory is Exodus 17. It's about Moses. Let's read it for a second. Exodus 17 and 8. It says, Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Repidim. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose some men and go out and fight with Amalek tomorrow, and I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. And Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. But listen to this. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand became heavy, so they took a stone, put it under his arm. And he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now, Pastor, how in the world does that pertain to me? Because he said, when we worship, it keeps us in a place of victory. God's not looking for you to fight. He's looking for you to worship. The most universal sign of worship is your hands lifted up. It's a sign of surrender, not to the enemy, but to your God saying that he's going to fight for me. He's going to move on my behalf. He's going to do it. And God, I surrender to you. And it says that Moses, during this battle, he went to the top of the hill, and it said as long as he kept his arms up, he kept his worship up. He kept his praise. It says that they prevailed. But when he let down his arms, the enemy started to defeat them. Then he had friends come, and that's good friends. Good friends, when you feel tired in your worship, come on now, somebody. When you feel weary in your worship, they say, come on now, let, I'll help you worship today. I, I'm going to text you a good song that you can listen to. I'm going to send you a verse because I'm not going to let you go down without worshiping. I'm going to help you worship today. And it says that Aaron and her got on either side of Moses and kept his hands up in worship. And as long as he kept his hands up, God's people prevailed. And it says because he kept his hands up, God brought the victory to them. Because he kept his hands up. What was his hands up? His worship. If you stay a worship per your whole life, it will keep you in a place of victory that other people don't stay in. If you stay a praiser and a worshiper, God will move and fight on your behalf. God will do what you can't do. God will make a way where there is no way. I'm preaching better than you responded today. God will conquer that enemy that you thought could not be conquered. He will make the walls fall that you could not make fall when we worship. Worship keeps us in a place of victory. And, and God said, all you need to do is keep your arms up in worship, and I'll give you the victory. Worship keeps us in a place of victory. Hear me, church family. If you stay a worshiper, you'll make it through everything. You will. That's not just preacher talk. You will make it through everything with victory if you stay a worshiper. It says as long as his hands were lifted up, he prevailed The sad thing is I've seen it in my own life, people that used to worship one situation, they don't worship anymore. And then they wonder why their life's going down and down and down because you left your place of victory and it's in worship. One death or one situation or one prayer they thought that God didn't answer the right way, they're no longer a worshiper. Come on, we got to be bigger than that church family. If you want to stay in a place where God can do something, you got to be a worshiper. When we worship, it keeps us in the place of victory with our hands lifted up. I pray over everyone in here that you would stay a worshiper your whole life. 
stay a praiser your whole life. Because if you do, God will work it out for your good. He will. God will fight your battles for you. God will make a way where there isn't a way. When we worship, hear me, church, he's not looking you to fight anybody. He's asking for you to worship because that's faith. That's faith. Worship keeps us in a place of victory. Last verse, and let's get the rest of the praise team come up, and we're going to sing a song. We're going to practice again. We practiced last week. We're going to practice again today. We're going to sing a song after this, and we're going to worship. Let me read you this psalm, and it's beautiful. It's Psalm 56, verse 8, in the Passion Translation. Look at this beautiful verse. Psalmist David said, You kept me, you kept track of all my wondering and my weeping. You've stored up my many tears in your bottle. Not one will be lost, for they are all recorded in the book of your remembrance. The very moment I call to you, that's worship, for a father's help, the tide of the battle turns. The tide of the battle turns. And my enemies flee. This one thing I know, God is on my side. I trust in the Lord. I praise him. I trust in the word of God. And I praise him. What harm can man do to me with God on my side? I will not be afraid of what comes. My heart overflows with praise to God and for his promises. I will always trust in him. So I'm thanking you. What's thanking him? Worship with all my heart. With gratitude for all you've done, I will do everything I promised you, Lord. For you have saved my soul from death and my feet from stumbling so that I can walk before the Lord bathed in his life-giving light. When we worship, the battle turns and it keeps us in the place of victory. Are you with me today? Come on, let's stand up today. So we're going to sing this song. And we're going to practice again like we did last week. We're going to worship God with our whole heart. So let's right now, let's focus in on Him in our spirit, soul, and body. With our hands lifted up as a sign of surrender to God. And when we sing this song, I believe that God is going to be moving and changing and and doing new things in your heart and in your life like we talked about today. So let's enter in, let's worship, and we're going to sing this song with the praise team. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.